your vehicle to the past doesn't need roads or even 1.21 gigawatts. It's the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey! Welcome back to the TRN Time Machine, sponsored by Retro Days, as always. New episode alert, Mick. RD's Detention Episode 14 featuring Blockbuster Video. Oh, this was right up Adam's alley, and he just went into... Uh, you could tell he was in hog heaven. He had stacks of VHS tapes all around him, and for those of you who don't know Adam, he's a huge VHS collector. And you could even hear about his uh, collection if you go back in this feed and look for our TRN talk on VHS collecting. But... Um, he looked like he was in hog heaven in this new episode, and <laughs> it was pretty great. Just thinking about him, uh, he was basically a working part time for Blockbuster Video in the school there. <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah, that the the one before the the GoBots Valentine was a great episode. But did you happen to notice on his locker in episode fourteen on Blockbuster? Nice little TRN logo right there for us. <laughs> I did put that not, because uh, I haven't got to watch it yet, but you okay. had told me about it, and it makes me very excited. I'll have to go yeah. check that out, screenshot it, blow it up, you know, all kinds yeah. of stuff. <laughs> he, uh, he messaged me earlier in the week and said, hey, we're going to put your logo on the locker. I know it's not exactly a, a, a period <laughs> thing, but why not? So uh, we appreciate that. Thanks for doing that, Tony. That was a fun little, yeah, fun little treat there. But uh, we are here again. You have voted for our time capsule year, and you have chosen 1984. We're going to go through the time capsule here. And if you haven't listened to our 95 episode, which probably very few of you have not, based on uh, the downloads that we got from that episode, uh, pretty popular. We're going to basically go through the events and and, and different uh, pop culture themes, movies, you know, TV even music and uh, some tech products and toys and stuff like that. Stuff that was out in uh, 1984. And we're going to uh, choose an item to put in the time capsule. And would love to hear your feedback, too, on uh, some items to put in the 1984 time capsule. Maybe that, you know, connected with you uh, back then. But as we did uh, the last time, we're going to kind of start things off with where we were in 1984 and, and like we mentioned we were a little young uh, that was uh, the year I turned 8 years old and you would have been turning 6 correct right so uh, not too many memories can uh, you know we you get to be this old you, I can barely remember what happened yesterday let alone <laughs> when I was 8 but uh, what was going on in your life back in 84 I was in kindergarten and spending my days watching this kid named uh, Timmy, Timmy Goodman, he would slowly unwrap the paper off of crayons and tell you that it was stripping, which was cool because, you know, you're <laughs> six years old. And he also ate the, the glue that we scraped off the tables, which I think helped influence <laughs> his decision to make stripping crayons and stuff. But Crazy glue sniffer or eater. <laughs> yeah, he was an eater. He was a pusher, too. He always tried to get other people to eat it with him. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. (laughs) Yuck, yuck. And if people give him the excuse that it was too hard to eat, he'd chew on it for you a little bit first to soften it up and then let you finish it. So, No, thanks. (laughs) I was in kindergarten, and uh, 
my world, I guess at that point, probably revolved mostly around masters of the universe, cartoon and toys at that point. I, I, I can't remember. And hot wheels, of course, always had hot wheels, but I can't really remember anything else. You know, my mind don't, it's just foggy for that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, going to school and watching He-Man. That was, that was my life at that point. <laughs> yeah. So I was eight second grade, um, living in small town PA. Uh, I was a bus rider. So this was the time when I would, uh, ride the bus actually into the high school and catch another bus down to a small private school that I went to at the time that was another nine miles away and uh, riding with the juniors and seniors. So I, I got an education in that bus, let me tell you. Uh, but so I, I was a bus rider uh, going down to school and then uh, just hanging. Uh, this was probably the time when I'm you know first learning to ride a bike. And I remember my first bike. Dad um, bought this one secondhand and painted it like bright orange. Uh, I'm not sure why, if it was something like maybe, oh, hey, people will see him if he's riding in the street or he won't lose it. You know, that's <laughs> bright orange. But I, I can vividly remember learning to ride my bike in our garage. We had a two car garage and there was this drain right in the middle of it. And I would do laps like around the drain <laughs> trying to balance the bike and, you know, from that point on, you know, that bike was my life. As uh, <laughs> Did you start with training wheels or no? I don't think I did. It was just a, a secondhand bike, so it, we didn't have anything else with it. So I don't think I ever had training wheels. I started with training wheels for a week or so, I guess. And I can remember, and it would have been around this time. I was young, six, seven years old, that dad put me on the bike without training wheels, and I'm scared to death. And begging no and he's pushing it around with me on it and he's like i'm gonna let you go get ready and i'm screaming no and he gives me a hard shove and i go across the road screaming and crash and flip in the ditch and then he's mad at me because i didn't turn and you know whatever uh-huh. yeah follow instructions that's my dad <laughs> it was like the ride of death into the yeah. ditch um but yeah, I learned to ride in in the garage, and then yeah, it was all about riding around the neighborhood. Once we got going there, uh, at this time, I think I had an Atari twenty six hundred too that I would play. But most of my time was definitely spent outside. And like you with the Matchbox and Hot Wheels, we had a dirt driveway, and I spent so many hours just hanging out in the driveway, making roads. And I had the stow and go city that I would set up, but. I would still make roads and everything around the city itself in the dirt. And me and my buddy, Tim from up the street, we would just spend hours out there playing in the driveway with, with hot wheels and matchbox. So that was, a, I know was a huge part of my life back then. So what do you think for a time capsule item to kind of represent that period for you? Uh, a He-Man VHS tape with a He-Man action figure. That sounds great. I'm going to put in there, I remember on that my first bike, I think out of a cereal box, got a Smurfs license plate. Mm. And I'm going I to toss remember that. I'm going to toss that in as my uh, my time capsule item. It may be a, a bottle of glue and a crayon with half the paper gone from it. <laughs> and, a, and, a, uh, and a copy of uh, Pitfall on Atari. 
Yeah, we'll <laughs> throw that in there too. Uh, it's kind of representing that year for us. Okay, well, let's get into some events from 1984. Uh, January 17th, the Sony Corporation of America versus Universal City Studios Incorporated. This court case, also known as the Betamax case, went all the way to the Supreme Court and it was uh, basically around what they called time shifting, which is essentially recording live television onto VHS or Betamax. And the Supreme Court ruled that it was not copyright infringement by consumers to do this. So this was a huge case back right. then and, and for home video. I've watched a, a short documentary on it. It was a big, big deal. Those companies who were producing, uh, well, television shows and stuff were not happy about people being able to record their shows and talking about how that would be the death of television. And, right. and here we are all these years later. But yeah, that was... You're right. That was a landmark decision. I mean, it's not Roe versus Wade, but it's it's up there as far as some of the the entertainment freedoms we enjoy today. To That's be able right. To what we do so. Big stuff. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. February twenty third, TED Talks was founded. Have you gone into any of that at all? In my previous job, I used to watch a lot of TED Talks. The guy who yeah. owned the company would send them to me and say, "Watch this," and uh, otherwise, no. Yeah, I've never really got into that, but that was when their first conference was held. April 1st was a big one. Uh, R&B artist Marvin Gaye was shot to death by his father. I remember that being big news. Well, I don't actually, I don't remember that because I was eight years old, but I know that was a big headline for the year and just very shocking to find that out. April 23rd was the first official discovery of the AIDS virus, which would be a huge deal for the rest of the eighties and, and awareness and, and everything surrounding the AIDS virus. That was uh, a big deal back as a kid. Uh, oh yeah. You'd see it on the news and it was scary. And especially my mom was like, you know, make sure you put toilet paper down on the seat at school and stuff. Right. Yeah. Don't we, drink we, after anybody. And Oh, it was, it you was didn't scary. know, yeah. They, they just didn't know back then how it was transferred, or just the the whole. I mean, it's it's almost like the you're hearing the coronavirus now, you know, something like that. Where it, obviously we have modern medicine and technology to know how it's uh, contracted, but it was just brand new, and there was you know little home videos and and stuff made just to educate people on the virus. We've talked about it before that. This, the series uh, from Tom Hanks and CNN, like the decades, the 70s, the 80s and stuff. Yeah. In the 80s, there is an excellent episode just on the AIDS virus and all the stuff surrounding it mm-hmm. back then. I suggest people go watch that. That was, uh, I mean, you know, we don't suggest people go watch something so depressing. But I'm just saying, if you want to learn more about how big of a deal it was back then, mm-hmm. go watch that episode of that show and you'll see that. This was a major, this was probably the biggest story of the year that year. Yeah, it very well could have been uh, just looking at some of these other stories that we're going to mention here. Um, uh, July 23rd, this was a, a, a pretty big headline for just the uh, news. Vanessa Williams, she became the first Miss America to resign after nude photos of her got out of, uh, well, actually that it was known that she had taken nude photos in Penthouse magazine. Do we know the, uh, the issue 
I'm asking for a friend here. Uh, no, I'm okay. sorry. I don't. I don't have that information. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a that was a pretty huge deal uh, as far as pop culture goes. This is also the year, and Adam just tweeted us a little bit ago about that uh, John DeLorean documentary. I guess you would call it uh, whatever on Hulu. He just got done watching it, and said it was really good, and I've seen it. But this was the year that he was acquitted after being charged with the uh, possession of cocaine and distributing cocaine and all that. And going through that whole trial, which pretty much, you know, did him in, even though he wasn't convicted, uh, set up more or less by the FBI. That was a huge deal. And I know there was a lot of press coverage, you know, around that trial. Of Thank DeLorean. God he won that so he could keep making all those great DeLorean cars for the next many years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing. I mean, do you know the story behind it? I, he, I know the highlights. He was essentially trying to figure out a quick way to get some cash flow into his company so it would stay afloat. And they set him up to essentially move some cocaine, offer him a, a lump sum of cash, and here, uh, put this uh, cocaine in your plane and take it from here to there, you know, kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Uh, totally set up, and they're just basically taking advantage that he just needed the capital to keep his company going, you know. Well, here's so, the deal. It may he may have won on entrapment charges and stuff, but the dude was still willing to transport coke. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we can only cut him so much slack. That's right. Yeah, I understand, but when your company is your life, you know, it's. Oh, uh, I'm not but, saying I wouldn't do the same thing. I'm just right. saying, you know, I must. Yeah, yeah, he's he not totally innocent of it. He was found innocent. But that's on a technicality of the way he was set up. The dude yeah. was still willing. He was still he a was drug still willing to, Yeah, he was still willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, people. We need people in all walks of life, I guess. But I'm just saying, let's not let's not paint him as a saint. Yeah. Well, I wasn't trying to. I'm just saying that it didn't matter at that point. He was, you know, pretty much everybody thought he was dirty, whether he was convicted or not. Um. October 11th, board the Space Shuttle Challenger. Astronaut Catherine Sullivan becomes the first American woman to perform a spacewalk. And uh, November 6th was the uh, presidential election. Ronald Reagan defeats former Vice President Walter Mondale with a 59% popular vote. I, mean, I know that was the, I read that was the largest popular vote since Nixon. Mm. Uh, that he won that, but I, I do remember sitting down in school that year and we doing like an election and nobody voted for Mondale <laughs> in our, in our second grade class. Uh, it was a landslide for president Reagan. Um, here's another big thing. The telephone company bell, which was huge back in the day, their monopoly on the telephone systems was officially dismantled and AT&T was created in 84. So there's that. And then 84 was the uh, first year of the minivan. Chrysler Corporation introduced the town and country for Chrysler, the Dodge Caravan, and the Plymouth Voyager. And they officially called them the minivans. So that all happened in 84. Uh, just we'll run through some uh, people who were born in 84 to make y'all feel old. Kate McKinnon, the uh, Saturday Night Live actress. Trevor Noah, who hosts The Daily Show now. Olivia Wilde, actress. Uh, Mandy Moore, the singer-actress. Kevin Owens, KO, the wrestler. 
from the WWE, was born in 84. Mark Zuckerberg, who founded Facebook. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, who's a longtime NBA basketball player. Prince Harry, from the UK, was born in 84. Avril Lavigne and Katy Perry, singers. Lindsey Vaughn, the Olympic skier. Scarlett Johansson, the actress. And LeBron James, basketball player, of course. All born in 84. And one death that I guess would mainly our, our audience would know that happened in 84 was Andy Kaufman, who uh, Jim Carrey would immortalize in the uh, Man in the Moon movie years later. And another uh, life and under the right circumstances, I feel like Andy Kaufman and I could have been really good friends. Think so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was he has a very interesting life. If you've ever watched the movie, the movie is great, but I know there's some documentaries out there too that I've watched on just his whole involvement with wrestling too, and then you know, just the the appearances on the talk shows and, you and need his stand up. I don't know if it's on YouTube. I'm gonna kinda look for it here right quick while we're talking. Um they put out a, a tape back in the eighties called Andy Kaufman, I'm from Hollywood. And it was his full uh, involvement in wrestling from beginning to end. Most people remember the one match. He was around for like a year in the world of wrestling. And done several matches. Turned good guy just to set up Jerry Lawler and, you know, try to get back at him. And, oh, it went on. And what's really sad is towards the end of the tape and his last appearances in Memphis, he was coughing uncontrollably on his interviews. So you could, you know. Yeah you knew what was what was happening. Yeah. Oh, and the whole thing is on YouTube, so people can search Andy Kaufman, I'm from Hollywood. It's a it's a fun if you like wrestling, you'd you'd enjoy this. So Okay. All right. So what are you gonna put in there as far as uh events goes? Uh a time capsule item for eighty four? Uh a Betamax tape. I think I'll put in there a uh, a Reagan Bush eighty four T shirt. <laughs> I see they still sell those nowadays. I've seen them on like uh, 80s tees and, and some of those other sites. You can still buy the Reagan Bush t-shirts. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll toss one of those in for events. All right, let's get on to some music. Music of 1984. Wow. The top five singles of 1984, according to Billboard. Number five, Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now by Phil Collins. Great song. From the movie... Crap. Just left me. I don't think I've seen crap. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that movie. It was Jeff Bridges and shoot. Anyway, uh, number four, I do remember this movie, Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Uh, number three, Say, 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 Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Number two, What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. And the number one song of 1984, according to Billboard, when Doves Cry by Prince. Hmm. Top five albums. Now, I think this was based on sales from what I uh, was doing my research here. Number five, Color by Numbers, Culture Club. Got that on vinyl. Number four, An Innocent Man by Billy Joel. I didn't connect with that one until, well, I, I bought the greatest hits, I think, in the, it was like a two-disc set back in the Columbia House days. And... That one's got like Uptown Girl and stuff on. And the song An Innocent Man, when I hear it, um, I think of being at that minor league hockey team. <laughs> we would go see the minor league hockey team. And every time uh, uh, one of the home players got a penalty, they'd play a <laughs> Innocent Man. 
as he's skating off to the you know penalty box. So I have that connection with that song. Number three album of 1984, Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie. Lots of great songs on there. Number two is Sports by Huey Lewis and the News. Probably my favorite album by Huey Lewis. And number one, of course, Thriller, which actually came out in, I believe, December of 83, but just blew up in uh, 84. I think it's six or seven singles off of that album was released. So, huge year for Michael Jackson in 84. Other notable albums I threw in here, Van Halen's 1984, of course. That wore out that cassette, let me tell you, in my car in the 90s. But, yeah, I, that was that's a great album. Uh, ZZ Top's Eliminator, another great album. Yep. Love that one. Of course, we mentioned Footloose. The Footloose soundtrack was pretty popular then as well. Duran Duran's Seven and the Ragged Tiger. The Police's Synchronicity, of course, Every Breath You Take. Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. That was huge for 84. President Reagan got in trouble for uh, playing that one during his uh, <laughs> campaign rallies, I believe. Bruce Springsteen should have thanked Ronald Reagan for using his song and making him popular. <laughs> right. Uh, you don't then, mess with the Ronald. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, uh, 1984 was Prince's Purple Rain soundtrack, too, which was huge. Uh, just a couple other things as far as music goes. Uh, like I said, this is a huge year for Michael Jackson. And one of the kind of notorious things or infamous things from 84 was when his hair caught on fire during the filming of a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> that's uh one of those weird things um at the grammy awards he won a record-breaking eight grammys that year seven of course for the thriller album and songs off of there and one actually i did not know this until i was doing the research he won a grammy for his work on the audiobook for the film et so the uh what we prob- probably the uh whatever book and record <laughs> You uh, reckon the they, they gave him something like that to give him the record of Grammys? I mean, come on, people. I don't know. I, I, I think they gave it <laughs> gave it to him so we would have that picture of him years later with him and E.T., you know. Um, I don't I know. He wanted to go home. <laughs> um, <laughs> however E.T. would talk. Uh, he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that year, too. And he was only there for three minutes. And at the request of the security, he had to get the heck out of Dodge because there was like 5,000 people there that came to watch him get his star uh, at the Man's Chinese Theater. Tell you a little bit about how popular he was back in 84. Uh, 1984 was the first annual MTV Video Music Awards in New York City. Not John Hancock, but Herbie Hancock wins the uh, most awards that year with five. And the highest prize of uh, video of the year went to the cars for You Might Think. And then this was the year, th- this first awards was when uh, Madonna was all rolling around on the stage singing Like a Virgin. Garnered some attention there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 84 was also the year for Band-Aid. And their Do They Know It's Christmas single came out of the UK. Very popular for uh, Ethiopian, what was it? What, what was the, uh, like the hunger... Yeah, Fam- famine. Yeah, famine. Yeah, famine relief. Relief. People yeah, all about that on the Retro Network. Just go over there and look for Tim's great piece on uh, that song in particular. So. That's right. Uh, December thirty first that year was when uh, 
Def Leppard's drummer Rick Allen lost his left arm in a car wreck. Uh, take that for what it's worth. I think he was better after than he was before. Well, yeah, they went to all uh, kind of those electronic drums and stuff for him. You know, if you yeah. if, if you've ever seen his setup, like around the Hysteria era, which was I think what eighty seven, and all of the foot pedals and everything that they had to add. I I, I think you might be right, man. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying that as a joke. I think the band had a better sound after than before. (laughs) Two debuts that year. Debut albums, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Bon Jovi, 1984. So, as far as music goes, what are you putting in as a time capsule item? Gosh, I'm not much on 80s music. Um, I'll put a copy of Eliminator from ZZ Top in because it rolled in my CD changer in the Mustang for years in the 90s. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm going to toss in that Van Halen 1984 cassette, which I believe I still have. So uh, that'll be my item. All right, let's get on to movies for 1984. Oh, my gosh. We could do a whole podcast on 1984 movies here. Let me tell you. We probably should have done a whole podcast on 1984 movies. We should have done a whole podcast on each of these things. (laughs) I'm still scrolling through your notes, and this thing goes on for like seven more pages. You don't have to kick it up a notch. Yeah. So the uh, the top grossing movies for 1984, one through ten. Number one, Beverly Hills Cop at 234 million, which was the highest for an R-rated movie ever uh, at the time. Number two was Ghostbusters at 229 million. Number three, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at 179. Then we had uh, Gremlins at number four, 153. Then we got a drop. We go to number five, not a drop in quality, but The Karate Kid, 90 million in the theaters. Number six was Police Academy at 81 million. Footloose at number seven, 80 million. Romancing the Stone at number eight, 76.5. And at number nine was 76.4 was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And Splash coming in at number 10 with $69 million. That's a great list, man. <laughs> That's a weekend to watch. Uh, 1984 movies. Uh, best picture that year at the Oscars was Amadeus. Have not seen that. Yeah. For uh, drama. For comedy the was Romancing the Stone. The best film of that year and the best film of all time probably is The Karate Kid. Come on, people. I would, uh, I would debate that, but... In a in a good way, we'll say that. Um, Romancing Stone winning the the comedy of the year. Uh, so this kind of launched Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, Dana DeVito, and especially Robert Zemeckis as a director into stardom, and gave Zemeckis the opportunity to direct his next film, which would be Back to the Future. A little mm-hmm. fact there. Uh, some notables in the movie industry in 1984, CBS airs the network broadcast television premiere of Star Wars. I thought that was kind of surprising. That's like eight years, you know, after the release or seven years. You would have thought that maybe they had, uh, debuted that on TV earlier than that since we're, uh, past all three movies coming out, you know, <laughs> um, July 1st, the MPAA institutes the PG-13 rating in reaction to the violence in Gremlins and Temple of Doom. Interesting. Yeah, so PG-13 was created in 84. Lots of breakdance movies in 84. Breaking and Breaking 2 and Beat Street. They all came out in 84. 
We had the uh, character debuts of the Terminator. We got the first Terminator film and the first Nightmare on Elm Street film for Freddy Krueger. Came out in 84. Actor debuts. Johnny Depp was in that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Val Kilmer in Top Secret. Uh, of course, Prince in Purple Rain. Tim Robbins made his debut in No Small Affair. Charlie Sheen in Red Dawn. Marissa Tomei in The Flamingo Kid. And... Jean-Claude Van Damme and Ice-T in Breaking, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got their uh, actor debuts. Some cult films that came out in 84. This is Spinal Tap. Uh, I think it was Jeff that uh, shot us that one this week uh, over on Twitter once we figured out what the uh, the year was going to be. I said, take it to 11, guys. <laughs> uh, Buckaroo Banzai. A lot of people have... Uh, found that one or rediscovered that one in the last couple of years. I've seen a lot, a lot of, of, some people named their podcast after it. That's That's right. Uh, the never ending story. Oh gosh. I love the never ending story. Uh, the movie Dune, which is going to be remade here soon. Supergirl and the last Starfighter. Some of your cult films from that year. One more thing to note in the movie industry, Walt Disney studios established touchstone pictures in 84, which was uh, a way for them to release PG-13 and R-rated movies. <laughs> uh, their first one was uh, Down, Down and Out in Beverly Hills was the first R-rated film under Touchstone. And in 1987, the first PG-13 was Adventures in Babysitting. I do remember the, the Touchstone screen, you know, the, whatever you call it, the, uh, the title screen at the beginning of the movies. That's, that kind of comes to mind. Uh, what, gosh, what can you put in a, uh, in the time capsule from 84? I know it's going to be Karate Kid, right? <laughs> yeah. One of the five copies of the DVD. I own. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm going to find a, a copy of uh, Ghostbusters on Betamax and pop in <laughs> just dead media. Why not? You know, it's, uh, my favorite movie of all time. I think is that Ghostbusters is actually the first one that I saw in the theater too. As a eight, whatever, eight year old, nine year old. Uh, I was looking too. It was re released. It was the it was the highest grossing comedy for a while. I think Beverly Hills Cop overtook it, and then they re released Ghostbusters in '85, and it went back on top. So I, I'm not. I can't remember exactly when I saw it, but I'm pretty sure it's it's one, the first one that I saw in the theater. All right, let's get on to some fun technology and. Products, video games, toys, that kind of a thing. Big in 1984, the Apple Macintosh and that iconic Super Bowl commercial that always makes people's top list. The one with the the hammer-throwing woman that comes running down the aisle and throws that hammer, you know, from the Olympics or whatever, into the screen. And the 1984 commercial, they call it, matter of fact. I think it was like a couple days later that Jobs released uh, Macintosh and essentially helped the home computing industry to, uh, you know, grow, getting the uh, the Macs, which were, I think, a lot more affordable than the, a lot of the home computers at the time. Like this next uh, little note here, Dell Computers was launched in 84, and IBM home computers had a price tag of $3,000. I don't know what the Macs were back then, but I'm pretty sure they were quite a bit cheaper. Made a little more affordable for people to do 
you know, home computing. Yeah, Bill all Gates you needed was a Commodore 64. That's all you needed back then. Right, yeah. All your gaming, too. Uh, Bill Gates was on the cover of Time Magazine in 84, balancing a floppy disk on his finger. Pretty iconic cover. Uh, if you wanted a mobile phone back in 84, you were paying $4,000 to get one. Four grand. <laughs> Uh, the first CD manufacturing plant opened in North America. Up until this point, they were importing all of the, the CDs from Japan and West Germany. But they built a factory in Terre Haute, Indiana. And Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA has the honor of being the first CD ever made in the United States. Very fitting, isn't it? Yes, very fitting. Uh, the... Quote unquote, interactive personal service prodigy was launched in 84, which we would uh, grow to love even more in the earlier 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Marvel Comics, getting in the comic book world here a little bit, introduced the Star Comics imprint and licensed titles intended for mainly younger readers. And the first one out was a three issue series of The Muppets Take Manhattan. Hmm. Star Comics. I think, uh, I want to say the Thundercats is under that label. It was that. And, uh, I've got a few oh of them. gosh, several other care bears and m- most of your, I will say most, but a lot of your Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. comics were under that label. Okay. Uh, 1984 was the first introduction of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was published by Mirage Studios, and it premiered at a comic book convention in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. A great documentary on that. Well, uh, I probably should say episode on that. The Toys That Made Us, they go all the way back to the beginning of that, and they talk with the original creators of uh, the Turtles and how they you know, progressed over the years. Um, video games released in 1984. How about 1942? Love that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking arcade games here. Karate Champ and Kung Fu Master. Oh, man. I think I was more of a Kung Fu Master person. I think that was the one where you're in that like dojo and you're kicking the uh, snakes and other people and you got to make yourself up into the second level and so forth. Played a lot of that one. Karate Champ, I think, was the one where you're like on a bridge and you're kind of battling... Each other, you know. Yeah. Marble Madness. That was a pretty big game in 84, released to arcades. And this was towards the end of the era of the Atari 2600. One of the last cartridges released for that was Pitfall 2. I don't think I've ever played Pitfall 2. Uh, 1984 was when the Kenner Superpowers collection was released of action figures. Did you uh, collect any of those back in the day? I did. I had had several of those. Well, I... Later on in the run, I'd say more like 87, 88 mm-hmm. than 84. But yeah. That was one that never connected with me, surprisingly. Never had any of the superpowers. But I know a lot of people revere it. All right, so we'll be putting in as a time capsule item under tech and toys and video games. Oh, heck. I... Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. None of this really connects with me so i'd i'll just throw in a kenner superpower figure okay i got a very specific one i remember i don't know if this was 84 or not but there was a game on the mac we had Macs at our school 
and a floppy disk game called Agent USA. And then you were this little character. It looked like a hat with legs, and, like a top hat. And you would go around, and there was this thing called the fuzz bomb that would lay these crystals and infect people. And you had to go travel on these trains across the United States and uh, essentially collect enough crystals or something to kill the fuzz bomb. Oh my gosh, I loved the game. It was so great. And I remember playing that on those Macs at uh, at school. So I'm going to put in a floppy disk with that game on it. <laughs> All right, let's get on to some uh, food talk here. We love talking food. 1984, pretty iconic year for Wendy's, right? Mm-hmm. The Fluffy Bun advertisement was first broadcast. This is the one with uh, Miss Clara Peller announcing, Where's the beef? <laughs> Pretty big uh, iconic moment for the 80s there. All the Where's the Beef commercials for Wendy's. 84 was the first year we got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, you love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. We also got Extra brand gum. Remember, a lot of commercials for Extra. Mm-hmm. Pop Secret Popcorn. Well, did they have bag popcorn back then? Or was this probably more or less the uh, the stovetop with the... With the foil, right? <laughs> no, they had well. In '84, I'm trying to trying to. They had the kernels, like buying the bag or the bottle of Orville Redenbacher kernels. They the pops air, air poppers into yeah. yeah. That was probably it. Oh, here's a big one that I I would love to have back: slice soda. Mm-hmm. All the fruit flavors of slice, and we also got Velveeta shells and cheese for the first time in '84. I was never a big Velveeta fan. I don't know. Just didn't seem natural to me. <laughs> Although I did eat a lot of cheese whiz out of the jar, so that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that was later on, of course, when uh, when cheese was popular, probably more in the nineties. But anyway, uh, what are you putting in as a time capsule item for food? A can of apple slice. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that, or maybe we'll just uh, we'll throw in a VHS tape of. Uh, Clara announcing, where's the beef? I think that would be good for 84. All right, let's talk some uh, sports. In particular, something up your alley here. Some wrestling talk from 84. Hulk Hogan defeats the Iron Sheik to win his first World Wrestling Federation Championship at Madison Square Garden. This was in January of 84, televised by the Madison Square Garden Network. Kicked off Hulkamania and... Helped launch the biggest boom the wrestling business scene. It helped, mm-hmm. you know, it went from there to the rock and wrestling era, and the rest is history. Yep. 84 was also what uh, wrestling fans call Black Saturday, July 14th, where Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation takes over TBS's Saturday evening time period, which was previously occupied by Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yep. That was big for. All the locals in the South tune in and not see Gordon solely there like they were used to every Saturday night calling the action. It was Vince McMahon and Freddie What's-His-Face, and mm-hmm. uh, that went on for quite a while. And then Vince McMahon actually sold that time slot to Jim Crockett for $1 million, and he took the money to fund the first WrestleMania, which then you know, made Vince well, even bigger. Yeah. So good on him, right. businessman. 
And then in 84, this was also the year that MTV was in the wrestling world and had the brawl to end it all in Madison Square Garden in New York City, televised on MTV. How long did they have uh, a connection with MTV? Was it just a couple years, or did, did it go on farther than it that? It started in 84, and it ran up through 85. But then they they would still have some personalities and stuff in the 86. Mm-hmm. Crossed over a little bit, but the rock and wrestling connection wasn't. It was at its peak in 84 and 85. Gotcha. Super Bowl 18, 1984, the L.A. Raiders. One over the Redskins, thirty-eight to nine. One of the biggest margins of victory in the Super Bowl up to that point. Uh, I think, which would probably be when was the Niners and Chargers? It was the Niners and Chargers, or yeah, that was ninety-four. I think that was a pretty big spread. Well, and the Broncos too. I think yeah. that was like forty-five to ten or something. Fifty-five to ten. Nineteen. There you go. MVP of that Super Bowl was Marcus Allen in the Orange Bowl. Miami Hurricanes won over the Cornhuskers 31 to 30 to win the national title. This is also the year of Doug Flutie, man. He won the Heisman and he had that, what they refer to as the Hail Flutie game in Miami. Excellent year for him. In the World Series, the Tigers beat the Padres four games to one. Alan Trammell wins the MVP. In the NBA Finals, Celtics over the Lakers four games to three. In 1984, Georgetown won the NCAA championship over Houston. That was been the uh, Patrick Ewing era, 84 to 75, and I believe the uh, it was Akeem Olajuwon. Was it was he at Houston? I think he was at Houston. Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. That would have been the time that they were at Houston, and then the five NBA Slamajama. Five. There you go. Yes, five Slamajama. NBA draft that year. Hakeem Olajuwon, number one. Michael Jordan, number three. Charles Barkley, number five. John Stockton, number 16. Pretty good draft class there. <laughs> you didn't list the number two draft pick. Oh, Sam Bowie. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows Sam that whole. Well, if you don't, <laughs> there is a 30 for 30 around that that's pretty good. Yep. I thought this was fun, Mick. Uh, so we had a time capsule on 95, which uh, – Ben Crenshaw won the Masters that year. Also won it in 84. Not good for me. <laughs> yeah. Stanley Cup. Edmonton Oilers. This was their first uh, championship. Four games to one over the Islanders. Mark Messier was the MVP of the Stanley Cup final, but we all know that was uh, Gretzky setting a bunch of records back then. What <laughs> did they uh, end up winning? Three or four in a row from this point? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was it, if not in a row, it was, you know, I don't know, four out of five years or something like that. A lot of titles for the Oilers. Uh, 84 Summer Olympics took place in L.A. USA won the most medals and the most gold medals that year. And the Winter Olympics takes place in Sarajevo. And the USSR won the most medals in that. And then uh, Terry Labonte won the Winston Cup Points Championship that year. I think it was Carol Yarbrough that won the Daytona 500. And then the male athlete of the year, according to the AP, was Carl Lewis. Of course, the uh, Olympic track runner. And then the female athlete of the year, Mary Lou Retton. She was everywhere that year, man. That's going to be my time capsule item. I'm putting in a Wheaties box with uh, Mary Lou Retton on it. Oh, I was going <laughs> to put in her leotard. Um <laughs> 
I'll put I'll put in uh That's not weird. Uh a couple of things. I'll put in some of the nineteen eighty four Olympic cups or glasses from McDonald's. Oh great. Yeah. And uh we'll put in a, a Hulk Hogan bandana. Very nice. All right, we've got one more category here to get through, and that is television. Wow, man. Now, I, of course, we are uh, young at this age, so I put in a bunch of the uh, the animated shows that debuted, but this was, uh, 84 was the year that uh, A&E, Lifetime, and the Cable Music Channel debuted. Cable Music Channel, if people don't know, this was uh, Ted Turner's rival that he created for MTV and it lasted a month. <laughs> Just could not get it off the ground. Uh, there's a, uh, a wonderful press conference. I was going to do an article on it. Uh, I think uh, last month and I just didn't get a chance to, but um, he's like announcing this is going to be the, you know, bigger than MTV and 30 days later it's done. <laughs> uh, this was the year that Oprah Winfrey took over as the host of the uh, AM Chicago talk show, which would be kind of the forerunner for her nationwide syndicated talk show. So this is where she got her start this year. This is a big one for me, too, because I remember watching this as a kid. June 8th and 11th in 1984 was the infamous Michael Larson episodes of Pressure Luck. Oh. And, of course, we've got that wonderful article that you put together on uh, the Pressure Luck scandal. There's an awesome uh, Game Show Network documentary on the whole thing. But I can vividly remember that summer I was uh, up the street. A neighbor lady was babysitting me, and I would be down in her basement watching TV in the morning time. And it really stuck out to me when he got to 100000 and the dollar sign disappeared on the display in front of the, the contestants on Pressure Luck. I was, I, it just kind of blew my mind as a kid. I'm like, wow, you know, he, he's got that much money. And of course the episodes never aired again because there's a, the whole scandal and you can read about it on the retro network, but uh, very interesting. And his story was, uh, is actually sad, uh, you know, with <laughs> the aftermath of, uh, after winning all that money, not that he was, uh, he lost it. He actually there were patterns in the pressure luck board. Hmm. Um, but after that was pretty sad. If you read up on that yeah. or, or watch that documentary, September 10th, 1984 was the first time that jeopardy returned in a syndicated form hosted by Alex Trebek. And of course he's gosh, still the host. I haven't seen an update lately on how his bout with uh, cancer is going, but uh, as far as I know, I mean, they had huge ratings recently when they did like the greatest of all time and they brought back the three top champions, you know, of Jeopardy. I know they did a, a very well with that. All right. Now it's time to get into the, the cartoon shows that debuted in 84. Wow. Challenge of the GoBots, Dragon's Lair, Heathcliff, Kid oh. Video. You can stop me at any time. No, go, uh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the Mighty Orbots. The Muppet Babies, that was huge. The new Scooby-Doo Mysteries, that was like a 13-episode series, I do believe, just for that year. Uh, Pink Panther and Sons, I love the Pink Panther. The Snorks, you have expressed your uh, affinity for the Snorks before. Rainbow Bright, 
My Little Pony and Friends Pole Position. That was a fun show. We uh, actually reviewed that on Rediscover the 80s a while back. The Super Friends, the legendary superpower show. That was a revisit from uh, earlier Super Friends series. Thomas and Friends, of course, uh, came over from the UK. Turbo Teen, one of my uh, obscure favorites. Voltron, that was a big one for me. I watched a lot of Voltron. And probably the biggest one out of them all, the Transformers came in 1984. Second only to the GoBots. <laughs> big ups. High five to you for that one. Because I'm right there with you. Uh, but I do, uh, gosh, I do remember running home, the bus dropping me off at the end of the street, running home to watch G.I. Joe and Transformers in the afternoons. That was pretty big. Here are some uh, television show debuts in 84. Riptide. I remember uh, this was on at 9 o'clock. So the A-Team came on at 8. I was allowed to stay up and watch the A-Team when that came on. But when Riptide came on and, and those opening credits with that crazy helicopter, uh, pink helicopter, <laughs> I had to go to bed. So I remember that pretty vividly. Uh, debut of Night Court. Such great a great show. show. Such a great show. The uh, TV adaptation of Blue Thunder debuted in 84. I think that one only lasted like 13 episodes. A young uh, Dana Carvey in that one, if you've ever watched that that show. Uh, but the bigger helicopter show was obviously Airwolf that debuted in 84. I went back uh, a couple years ago and watched the probably the first three seasons of Airwolf. Great show. Kate and Allie. That was on for several years. Sitcom with uh, Jane Curtin from Saturday Night Live. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. <laughs> My dad loved that show, man. He watched that show every week. I think it came on like on Saturdays or something. Yes. Yeah. It seemed like it was like maybe around when the near the gladiators or I don't know. But Robin Leach would. Uh, <laughs> In our area of syndication, it was always on Saturday evenings back-to-back with Star Search. Maybe that was it. Uh, yeah, because Dad loved Star Search, uh, mainly for the models. But um, <laughs> what is what was he? Uh, champagne Dreams and Caviar. Dreams. Yes. <laughs> uh, the game show Scrabble debuted in 84. I watched a lot of that. Chuck Woolery. Was the host. Kids Incorporated and Pryor's Place, a couple uh, kids' shows. Pryor's Place, I think, was a Saturday morning show. Maybe, it was. Uh, CBS maybe. CBS built their lineup around it that year. Yeah, but it didn't, I don't think it lasted very long. Uh, another big one for 84 was the debut of Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've watched that entire series t- at least twice in the last, I don't know, six, seven years. Great show. Uh, a lot of great guest stars on that show, too. Hunter. Dad was a huge Hunter fan. Fred Dreyer, former football player, star of that show. And it was the uh, it was the girl. Gosh, just left me. But Dad loved Hunter. Highway to Heaven. My Graham loved that show. I remember watching that at her house. <laughs> Michael Landon. Uh, we've gone back, actually tried to watch uh, some of it. We've got maybe through partway of the first season, actually watching it as a family. It's still it's still a pretty it holds up pretty well. 
Uh, Cosby Show, another big one, debuted in 84. Whatever happened to the star of that? Yeah, what did ever happen to that? I heard he got uh, shanked. Is that true? You heard that? <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Uh, <laughs> who's the boss? Another show from 84. Uh, Murder, She Wrote, staple on Sunday nights. Charles in Charge. We got a uh, TV show from the V. Uh, I believe it was a made-for-TV movie first, and then a, we got a series V, which was uh, rebooted just, uh, I don't know, a few years ago. And Crazy Like a Fox, that was another one that my dad loved to watch. Uh, a lot of great shows. Some some shows that ended in 84, One Day at a Time, uh, Fantasy Island, Hollywood Squares, which would return in 86 with uh, John Davidson. That's the era that I kind of remember watching Hollywood Squares. Three's Company ended and would be spun off pretty quickly after that. Happy Days was a big one that ended in 84. And then uh, Captain Kangaroo. That was his uh, last year. I remember watching Captain Kangaroo. He came on like right before all the cartoons on Saturday morning. Yeah. So uh, what are you throwing in as your final time capsule item for 84? Fonzie's leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I did not watch a lot of Happy Days. My gram, she just loved the sitcoms, and she would even watch reruns until the wee hours of the morning. Uh, and I remember her watching uh, some Happy Days, but that's the only time I really caught it. Well, I was I, more into it uh, in its TBS run in the late 80s through the early 90s when it was on every day on TBS, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I loved Happy Days. I do remember that uh, being on TBS. I'm going to put in a. Uh, let's put in. Oh gosh, it's just so hard to choose, man. There's <laughs> so many good. How about Captain Kangaroo's wig? No, no, no. not going to do it for me. How about uh, Bill Wanted poster? No, no. How about maybe a uh, a Muppet Baby's Happy Meal toy? Oh, there you go. I think that would be good. It's kind of more toys than TV, but it would kind of represent how big the Muppet Babies were that year. Get Gonzo on his tricycle, that little toy. Or Kermit on the Kermit skateboard. On, yeah. Kermit or on the skateboard. in the car. Or uh, Fozzie on the hobby horse. We just talked about all these people we like did. a little month ago. Go back and <laughs> check out our favorite kids' meal toys episode. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our time capsule, man. We you went think? through a lot. I, yeah. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> this was uh, this was real fun to put together. Lots of great stuff in '84. Uh, one of my favorite years of of the '80s. Everything that was put out. So thanks for joining us. Yes, please tell us what you would throw in as a time capsule item for '84, or our items if you want to add TRN Social on Twitter. Mm-hmm.